You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast, your complete cards coverage. Going to be talking about the Arizona Cardinals getting back into the win column this week with a 25 to 22 win over the Dallas Cowboys. They now have 11 wins on the season, break a three-game win streak, and this is probably, goes without saying, one of the more impressive wins that the Cardinals had in the post-Watt, post-Hopkins tenure for the team. Talk a little bit about who bounced back, some of the plays that were made, part of what we saw on the field for why the Dallas Cowboys struggled, and talk a little bit about the Seahawks game that's upcoming, as well as look at a few playoff scenarios. Uh, my name is Blake Murphy 7. You will be able to find me on Twitter at the same at the co-host uh, of the last week Rise Up Sea Red podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I was almost trying to remember the name of it at first. Uh, last week, Senior Jess Root on Twitter. Uh, you can find him also as a writer for Cardswire. Got to talk a bit about previewing this game. If you want to catch up on that, you can go and follow at that podcast over as well. Um, we have our site writer, Seth Cox, is the normal person for that show as well. Uh, but here we're talking with the ROTB pod, and the biggest thing I think you want to talk about is what was it about the Cardinals that got them going in this game specifically. We saw the Cardinals come out and were aggressive in a way that we really haven't seen perhaps from the Lions game. We seem to see it somewhat in the Colts game, but it was just enough missed opportunities. This game, the opportunities the Cardinals had were to put it away late. Didn't quite take off at first. They did finally come up in the end of the game with the needed three points and a clutch drive from Kyler Murray. But really, I think the game started in a very different fashion. And you can talk about how comfortable Matt Prater looked, having his normal holder back, having his normal uh, long snapper with Aaron Brewer. can go over some of that. But the biggest thing, I think, overall for what really happened with the Cardinals was it was kind of their typical Cardinals football, almost this back-to-business-like approach. We saw some big plays down the field because the pass protection held up for Kyler Murray. He went off for about 200 and was say 260 yards to throw through the air, about 50 or so rushing yards on the ground. Cardinals drive down the field. They end up getting at least after holding off the Cowboys on the first series that they had, in which there was a couple of first downs that you saw. Uh, you did end up having it where at third and four, the Cardinals at least were able to draw a holding penalty and Tyron Smith. Chandler Jones essentially put that man through a blender. Despite the fact that he didn't really get anything in the sack column, he was motivated. So you end up seeing the Cardinals are able to take over for the most part. They drive down the field. You first big pass play of the game was really not even a big pass play. It was more of what you would call this rushing play where 24 yards are picked up with Greg Dorch. Normally, you'd see Rondell Moore be in that type of role. Uh, clearly, the Cowboys did not scouted Dorch as well to know that he was going to have that type of speed. They just seemed like they were caught off guard. Now, granted, it was well blocked. Then you see Chase Edmonds up the middle for 14 yards. You kind of realize that the Cardinals, when they can get the run going, it really does open up a lot of their offense. And it's not that the 
Cardinals can't pass, but it is an aspect of when you can have the run game working, it gives the defense more things to have to account for. They have to account for Greg Dorch. They have to account for the likes of Chase Edmonds up the middle. They have to account for Kyler Murray keeping the ball. And this is, is part of where the Cardinals were able to put the game away in the end was by being able to rely on some of that run game. Now, the biggest issue the Cardinals had, of course, we can talk about it, was the Josh Jones, two false starts. You're at the one-yard line, at least you have the false start that toes on on third and goal. You see how essentially at fourth and goal, the Cardinals end up kicking from the six-yard line, 24-yard field goal. Dallas comes back, misses their field goal. This kind of is in one of the avenues I think you can look at was probably predictable. We talked a little bit at least about the podcast last week of if the Cardinals are going to win a game against a Dallas team that just put 50 points up on their division rival Washington football team, they were going to need to come out of the gate quick, put Dallas on their heels, and be prepared for the fact that if Dallas got a letdown game, then you would need to take advantage of it. And usually we've seen some of these things happen, not just with teams like the Cardinals, but just around the NFL in general. The team gets a big win. Sometimes you'll see them kind of either mail it in the following week, maybe take it a little bit for granted. We've also seen when you have these kind of close victories as well, sometimes teams will fall apart the next week. That hasn't seemed to have been the case for the most part outside of the playoffs. I, I think back to the Minneapolis miracle of Minnesota. You think back to that Cardinals-Green Bay game where they're able to essentially win it on that Larry Fitzgerald catch and run and then the pitch. And then we're smoked by the Panthers the following week. There just seems to be, for whatever reason or another, there are teams that just come into the game not as prepared if they've just come off of a big win. Maybe some of that is simply just harder to refocus and you put in your time and effort into killing a division rival, uh, essentially just burying them, forcing them to have to look for perhaps a new quarterback outside of Taylor Heineke by the end of the season, who's played relatively well given the expectations. And maybe little things like Greg Zerline's missed field goal stick out the same way that Matt Prater's missed field goal stuck out. But the biggest thing that we talked about last week, which is why would the Cardinals win? It wasn't that Kyler Murray would be playing essentially for him, it seems like, a home game at Dallas Cowboys Stadium or uh, AT&T Stadium. But it was that the Cardinals were the more desperate team and that they were the more doubted team. And usually we've seen when teams like the Cardinals that have a history of people picking against them, people putting them down to the point where once you do start to kind of say, oh, you know, the Cardinals are legit. Maybe this team is for real. Then they just seem to fall apart. Now it happened again. You got to a spot where only Daniel Jeremiah picked the Cowboys for out of almost the entire uh, NFL.com crew. You had Cynthia Freeland, the one lone wolf, picking them as well over the Cowboys, mostly because the Cowboys, after coming off that 50-point game, were heavily favored the Cardinals had issues at cornerback. Cowboys have all of those weapons. Arizona struggled to stop the run. How are they going to be able to maintain and manage Ezekiel Elliott? Arizona missing multiple pass rushers as well with Marcus Golden out and Devon Kennard. They're shifting Zayvon Collins uh, to more of this off-ball linebacker spot rather than his typical inside linebacker spot. And usually this is kind of how it goes sometimes. You know, every single person picked the Lions against the Cardinals, and oh, so maybe the Lions took a little bit of motivation to that. These are kind of the things that pop up when you're in the NFL, and you say that not only can it be anyone, anyone's week, but a lot of times it's the team 
that wants it just a little bit more is the one that sometimes can make those plays. Not saying the Cardinals, you know, didn't want it necessarily for, for Detroit, but you could kind of tell when they went down 17-0, he was ready to about pack it up and head home for most players. One guy who was not ready to pack it up and head home was Kyler Murray. And he was one of the biggest catalysts in this game. The Cardinals, at least for the most part, go off to a couple of punts back and forth. Dallas had that missed field goal. That 15-play drive that Arizona went on, which I believe is sparked by a long passing play that you're able to at least see, um, that went down for, I believe there was a 17-yard play that was there to Chase Edmonds. That was a nice little design screen. But really the play that went really big for the most part, at least, was Arizona on their own 36-yard line going for it on fourth and two with a trick play. Chris Banjo passes the ball to Jonathan Ward. and Maybe this is a spot where Cliff just felt like he wanted to go for it. Maybe they saw something in practice that whenever a player would run back, they would just simply interfere. You knew you could probably get a flag. Maybe some of it was simply just a team that was lost three in a row going up against a Cowboys team that is already in the playoffs, has already won in their division, needed some sort of spark. They punted at least several times in a row or about to punt for a third time. They end up getting up to the middle of the Dallas 40. They keep driving down the plate, see another pass interference call. And this is part of where Dallas, I think, had a few issues with some of the refereeing. As far as for calls that went, none of these were, from where you could watch, ticky-tacky or really bad calls. There may have been a gift we get later in the game. We can talk about, obviously, the end-game scenario. Cardinals had their own issues, too. You had a holding penalty on Josh Jones. That pushed Arizona back from the 6-yard line at second and goal to the 16-yard line. And then when you're talking about being able to have a nice little pass that Ch- uh, I believe it was Chase Edmonds able to run out of bounds going for it at 4th and 1, you have what is one of the most unstoppable plays in football. Kyler Murray goes from under center, boots around, and when you give Kyler Murray options besides simply just being able to run the football, and we even saw Dallas was ready for this. They took a timeout. Five minutes left in the half. They take a timeout because they're like, hey, Kyler may run this in. Let's make sure that we're prepared for that. They draw up a play. That essentially would have stopped Kyler short of the goal line on that run. Someone's running across the field. we got a safety closing in to be able to film all of the other gaps at least are filled. He ends up adjusting a little bit on the fly, makes a tough adjustment, floats the ball right back in, and Antoine Wesley, the other option. I say if Cliff gives a crossing option like that to Kyler that he's able to see, he will usually be able to find a way to make those plays work. Cardinals go up 10-0. Cowboys, of course, bounce back with a long touchdown drive. Of course, you end up seeing the Michael Gallup catch is very difficult to be able to defend. A lot of that ultimately came down to that Jordan Hicks call of defensive pass interference on second and 10. They end up saying, hey, we've got a defensive pass interference call. That ended up seeing previously with about two minutes left in the half, wiped away a Buda Baker interception. That was, unfortunately, probably it. I'm not a defensive pass interference on Antonio Hamilton that did free up some of that to take place. You have to at least say that when the refs make those calls, those are legit calls. You'd prefer that they make those calls when it's there because if you flip it and say, oh, this is a this is an interception of Kyle Murray, that would have happened because the Dallas guy clearly interfered. You're going to want to have that call be right if you're Arizona. I don't get the second pass interference call on an uncatchable ball that Jordan Hicks 
didn't pull on the jersey, didn't even have seemingly that much hand fighting. They get a call. Dallas gets to drive down. And you end up seeing at least for that long touchdown pass to Michael Gallup. But it turned to be a costly one because he's got an ACL tear and is out. And this is one of the... It's not maybe as big of a blow as losing a playmaker like Amari Cooper would be for a long period of time. But Amari was pretty quiet that game. What we've seen with the Cowboys this season is that when they've needed a spark, when they've needed kind of one of those big plays, they've really gone to Michael Gallup a lot. He's kind of been in some cases there, wake up this offense, big play playmaker. When he was out earlier injured, that was when they had their big loss to the Broncos. They looked like they were a wreck. Uh, claim whether it's a three, four struggles that Dallas has. They struggle with Vance Joseph's defense, similar ways to struggling with Vic Fangio's defense as we've seen. But really that was kind of a huge blow to Dallas because despite the fact that Cedric Wilson came in and played well, he's far more of a slot guy than he is an outside type of threat who can make a big play down the field, beat someone vertically, beat someone horizontally. And we end up seeing the Cardinals get the ball back with a few minutes left. And this is kind of what we call the typical Cardinals football we've seen. What do the Cardinals do super well this season? Something that was, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was mocked over, something that people raked him over the coals for was managing the game at the end of halves. They had issues with the end of game scenarios, two-minute warning scenarios where the Cardinals would seemingly not be able to stop anyone at the end of the half. Well, they end up getting in a scenario where if they can score and then come back out in the second half, not turn the ball over as Kyler has done at times. They've had multiple turnovers when they got the ball coming out of the second half. But then you'd be able to have a chance to put the game enough out of Dallas's reach that one or two more scores may put them away for good. And they get exactly that, where they're able to drive down the field, get the ball back in pretty good field position for the most part. They're able to at least see with a little bit of runs to Kyler Murray. Zach Ertz gets the ball a little bit. You have a defensive offsides on third and five. They kind of catch them off uh, off guard with a little bit of a snap count. And the Cardinals get the ball just right up to about the 35-yard line. Matt Prater kicks a 53-yard field goal. We had in the half with Arizona up 15, uh, excuse me, 13 to 7. Uh, Obviously, it's not the exact scenario you'd like to have for Arizona, but It is one of those spots where I don't think you second guess them. I think that you look at this team as one that knows and can manage and is understanding of having a weapon that can kick those 50 plus yard field goals consistently can know not needing to be too aggressive, but not needing to be overly conservative and just run the ball three times. This is a team that at least when they can get into these scenarios has a game plan and knows what they want to do. They know their identity in this regard. And I feel like that identity was missing in a a couple of games ago, at least, where you would see Matt Prater miss a little bit of lack of confidence. And we saw the confidence, I think, take off in a big way into the outside game with Antoine Wesley getting a second touchdown today. The Cardinals are able to drive the ball down. You end up seeing, at least for the most part, a pass that takes place with uh, Christian Kirk catching a 43-yard pass on a Lovely run route where they adjusted the ball super well. He ends up seeing at least, hey, safety's left the side of the field. Kirk at least makes the route work. Kyler hits it on him for a nice corner. They have the ball now at the Dallas 23-yard line. You have what seemed to be kind of a broken play that set the Cardinals back in a huge way. 
uh, to chase Edmonds. So uh, second and 17, this is usually what we've seen from the Cardinals, right? Like they will get in close, get into like the red zone or in scoring range and then make mistakes. That's been one of the things that we've seen and it cost them dearly in the Colts game because Matt Prater was not able to hit those field goals. What we see instead ends up being a little bit of luck on the Cardinal side. You see a neutral zone infraction on third and 11 that gets them into third and six. And this ends up being the one-on-one coverage on the outside. Antoine Wesley elevates, gets up and over Cardinals score and then go for two. And some people said, why would you go for two? Well, I think that it was the right call because if you look at the score at 19 is seven. All right. If you go for two, suddenly Dallas has to score two touchdowns. Okay, that makes sense. They have to score, you know, touchdown. They get to 14 points, touchdown. They get to 21. Uh, I should say at least um, 21 points. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. If you kick the ball, they get those two touchdowns, and suddenly mm, they have the lead. Now, granted, those two touchdowns that they get, at least for that one, they may have to go for two at some point to pass you up. Maybe they do go for two. Who knows? But I think that we've learned in a lot of cases, this may have been a lesson Cliff Kingsbury has learned, is sometimes if you go for two and the way that it plays out when you're in multiples of three that you're going for, you're like, all right, you got 19 points here. Is it a multiple of three? Mm, yeah, kind of because you look at 21 and seven. So, all right, but, yeah, all right two point. You know what? If the Cardinals miss that two-point conversion, Dallas still has to score twice. Cardinals make it. Dallas has to score twice, but is now only tied with them. So I think it's the right move. You get more information about knowing, hey, do we have to go for it, uh, go for two now or go for it later? Because guess what? The uh, way that it turned out with Arizona, at least Dallas did have to go for two later in the game to get it close to be within three points. That put an extra onus on the Cowboys to have to make one of those different plays. Now, not saying that it stemmed specifically from here, but showing that when you get into those types of different situations, having solid information early can help you down the road. And that is definitely one of the things that we saw as far as with Dallas, where they did have that timeout that was used by the Cowboys. You ended up seeing, at least for the most part, the fact that when Arizona was driving back down the field on that other field goal, they forced a punt. You did end up seeing the first timeout used with a third and five at the Dallas eight. They end up with a play. And this is where I think maybe not the genius necessarily of Cliff Kingsbury, but at least the awareness. I just try something new. The Cardinals put Matt Prater out as a receiver and Kyler Murray on the field. It seemed like they were lining up to be able to go for it at fourth and five. From, you know, about the Dallas 8-yard line. Suddenly, hold up. We're going to call a timeout because we don't know what's going on with this. The thing that is frustrating, I think, as a Cardinals fan, is that there was so much confusion that making it seem like they were going for the kick and then keeping their offense in the field was there. That A.J. Green was able to line up where no one noticed, uncovered, off to the side. This is something you heard about on the radio call. So essentially, Kyler just takes the ball, chucks it up to A.J. Green, and it's like, what happened there? Total breakdown between the special teams, the offense, confusion. Cowboys were smart enough to be able to burn a timeout, but they may have also been unlucky because if that play ends up getting where someone did cover A.J. Green and doesn't get quite off for the most part, something happens where it's dropped, you end up having a huge momentum swing. So in one case, you could say, all right, smart by Arizona. In one case, you can say, ah, oh, it's dumb. Why would you burn a timeout like that? Well, 
you see how the field was lined up for that one. It was one of the spots where it was what we call a coaching positive. Cliff Kingsbury put in a play that forced Dallas to have to burn a timeout. They kicked the field goal, get the points anyway. And you end up seeing, at least for Arizona then, one of the, I guess you can say like one of, one of the closer to missed opportunities they had was they could have put the ball in the game away and were just not able to. They kicked the field goal, force a three and out of Dallas, end up taking over for the most part at least. And you've got a chance now at least. You're back at your own 23 at least with Arizona. And you go three and out. All right. It's not going to happen all the time, at least for that. But this was one of those field flipping situations. Because where Kyler Murray ends up going and starts off, they have a sack that takes place at least where he's 14 yards back. You're at fourth and 23. And then you have another penalty. You got a false start. So now it's fourth and 26. That extra five yards turned out to be crucial because when the Cowboys took over, they ended up taking the ball over right at the Arizona 31-yard line. So essentially, you just handed Dallas three points, the sack and the penalty. And this is where field position could come in and matters. The Dallas Cowboys drove down the field, despite a fumble at least that they had that was picked up by Dak Prescott. (laughs) They're able to get the ball into the end zone. They go for two, and suddenly you're talking about it being essentially a one-score game. Then, of course, the play of the game comes up. Isaiah Simmons was used all over the field. There was times where it seemed like he was missing on a few open tackles, but otherwise he had the highest stat sheet for the Arizona Cardinals. The best impact player, I think I have to say, that was still Buda Baker. He was all over the place. Had a sack, should have probably had an interception. Um, the player, at least, that ended up just being phenomenal in the regard, at least for Arizona, was Isaiah Simmons with 10 tackles, 8 solo. Probably could have had 2 or 3 more, but there were some that just weren't quite there. Credit some of the Dallas playmakers that they have for that. <laughs> but the play of the game did come when Dak Prescott, he blitzes up the middle, just shoves the running back aside. Uh, misses on the first tackle. Dak does a good job of stepping up, takes the open lane that's been vacated. But he doesn't give up on the play, punches the ball free, and Arizona's able to, in the Dallas territory, be conservative. They're right there at the Dallas 44-yard line. They take a penalty, I believe, at least on a face mask that essentially, you know, Dallas handed them the points between those two, the fumble and the 15-yard penalty. Arizona's going to basically go up by another score, even if Dallas is able to drive down the field and score a touchdown, they're going to have to not just go for two, they're going to have to go for two, get two, and then come back down again. Now, Cardinals at third and nine, unfortunately, were not able to get it done. They're caught up a little bit short. Antoine Wesley is not able to get quite to the sticks. Matt Prater, of course, hits the field goal. Uh, NFC off uh, special teams player of the week, Matt Prater. The Cowboys just won't go away. This is at the end of the game scenario. Cowboys are desperate. You're wondering who's going to step up and try to make a game-ending play. Turns out that it is Dallas driving down the field. They end up getting the ball in, and they're having a decision to make. Do you, with 442, do you try to see if you can onside kick and just give it to Arizona, see if you can hold them at a field goal, and then drive back down for a touchdown, or see if your defense can get a stop? Dallas chose the latter, and that, I think, was their mistake. Cardinals tried to put it away with a deep pass to Kirk, but ended up seeing them use Kyler Murray's legs for a 15-yard run. You saw Chase Edmonds be able to pick up first downs. You're able to see the Cowboys had to start using their timeout before the two-minute warning. And this is kind of where, you know, we've seen earlier with Cliff Kingsbury 
He had a time where he didn't use his timeouts before the two minute warning. Arizona ended up having to settle for a field goal with about one minute and 47 seconds left. After basically go for an onside kick and a Hail Mary, just wasn't the best use. Dallas, for their credit, did use their time and clock a bit better to, if they get a stop, allow them to get the ball back. Or if they make a play, you're able to get the ball back. You end up reaching at least to a spot where the two-minute warning hits. Right after a first and 10 where Chase Edmonds runs for about six yards, you had a clutch catch by Zach Ertz. And then, of course, Randy Gregory, everyone's seen. It seems that he punches the ball out. Demarcus Lawrence posted to his Twitter. And this is a spot where it's just in front of the two-minute warning. No one really seems to challenge the play for that one. It's let slide. There is no way to challenge it because the Cowboys, of course, have used up all of their timeouts, including one just before this moment. Uh, That's at least obviously you can say a credit to Cliff. Also, essentially a spot where you want to get the call right. And I don't know if they would have gotten the call right on the field or not. There may have been a player with a foot out of bounds for the recovery. There was questions about if you could, let's say, if they did have a challenge, could you overturn the call in the field? I think that you had at least enough opportunity to. Dallas then would be down by three. They'd be, of course, at, I believe, their own uh, 29-yard line. They'd have to go about 40 yards or so to be able to get Greg Zerline a chance. And he's missed field goals before. The Cardinals would essentially have potentially been in a spot to give up, even if their defense is tired, a touchdown, a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching loss. Instead, what we see is Kyler Murray then ends up picking up nine yards in second and four. The Cardinals get within the two-minute warning. They get the playoff. It's not looked at. Dallas, at least, is super frustrated, of course. But in one of those cases, at least, it's, hey, you wanted to get a stop. And you probably could have gotten a stop earlier on that second and seven where you weren't able to stop the 11-yard pass. Second and 10, you couldn't stop the 15-yard run. And the Cardinals are able just to kneel it out and get a big win against a Dallas team that they may play again in a few weeks. So we've talked about why the Cardinals came back. I think this was in a lot of different ways. What's the outcome? It, it is really some redemption for all the talk that people have had on with Cliff Kingsbury, with this team. Very few people picked them going into, the, into this game. A lot of people I know mentioned or talked to me said, I don't think the Cardinals win a game the rest of the year. I think if they lose out. You have a lot of people talking, saying this team is just falling off the second half. This is a team where, and we talked about this last week with Jeff Rude talked about how if the Cardinals did lose out and then lost a playoff game. You're probably looking at a lot of people staring Cliff Kingsbury at the face with a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. You've got a lot of people wondering, like, hey, like, is this just going to crumble when the pressure is on, that they're just trying to get into the playoffs? They did get that win. And I think that it redeems a lot because it gets people off of Cliff's back, not just beating a coach that's better than him, but it takes a lot of the Cardinal season we've seen into a bit better context. Surely had a few slides that were there, but two of those games were close. One of them obviously was not. And we got to see at least where when the Cardinals could connect in some of those misplays, when guys were able to step up. We talked about how Zayvon Collins at least was able to step up and be able to make some great plays in the run game. Victor Dimbakeji also played fine. You saw Chris Banjo and obviously Jonathan Ward with a freaking amazing helmet catch. <laughs> he said he got a lot of Twitter followers after the game from that, which of course it is when you're playing on Sports Center in their top 10. It really was kind of a redemption to see where the Cardinals have come from to a spot where you're like, oh, that Cliff Kingsbury, he forced Mike McCarthy, this Super Bowl winning veteran coach, to burn a timeout. And it turned out to really be a game winning type of move when you look at it from that context. 
it makes you think maybe the Cardinals are in some decent hands. Now, losing three straight is never good in the NFL. Maybe people should have had higher expectations. But these are the kind of redeeming wins that go a long way. And if the Cardinals are able to at least come out strong, you know, maybe Seattle and Russ's final game has a little bit of witchcraft up his sleeve. As long as you're able to show this is a team that's wanting and competitive, I think the Cardinals have a really good chance to be able to put Seattle away. Just with how, despite the fact that Seattle went off against the Lions, you really feel like that it's one of those cases where Seattle in one of their last home games, potentially for Russ, we'll see what happens after this season. Maybe, you know, he's there for four more years and this all just seems crazy. But it feels like the Cardinals have at least been able to figure out how to right the ship when things get off. And a lot of it was through coaching. Not just with Cliff Kingsbury being able to develop a game plan that made use of some of the best talents that the team had and being able to commit to running the football, to getting the Antoine Wesley the ball in, to being able to have some adjustments that were made and getting guys like Josh Jones being able to play well against what had been a ferocious Dallas pass rush. We saw sometimes the ball was picked up. We saw options for Kyler to be able to have. We saw, in a lot of different ways, maybe one of the best defensive game plans Vance Joseph has put together. There were times that the ball was batted down at the line. Guys were taking advantage of the fact that Dak would like to stay in the pocket and throw versus trying to bail and move out where he could see. You got to see some of their horizontal passing game where Arizona was able to blitz just right to be able to bat the ball down there. And you had, of course what should have been two, but turned out to be one takeaway. And one of them being in a very clutch situation. All in all, the Cowboys were stymied. They looked a bit shaken. And it really shook a lot of Cowboys fans who just a week ago had been talking about how they'd hang 50 points onto Washington. Well, this week, more comments came up with Cowboys fans going, gosh, is this a problem with having a first-year play caller? Is he having to learn and adjust? And I think the crux of it came down to that Cardinals at least stepped up their talent game, were able to get enough pressure on Dak to disrupt it where he just was not quite as accurate. The coverage downfield kept it where guys were not running wide open. It was going to have to be a lot tougher of a throw. We've seen kind of where Dak, as far as his ability, I think that he is a high-level quarterback. It's tough to say that he's a fully elite quarterback. There's some throws that he just seems to miss a little bit much where you can get pressure on him. But he's at a level of quarterback play that still, I think, in a lot of different ways can sometimes go as the rest of his team goes. And when the team was down, Dak wanted to try to make some plays with his legs. There was times he ran. I felt like he should not have, especially on that fumble. He ran forward but did not look to throw downfield, just tucked it and ran. You could kind of tell that Arizona was going to be able to catch up to him after he hurdled the guy, slows up his step just enough. Arizona was able to catch up, force the ball free. I think that missing Michael Gallup and partway through that game really wrecked quite a bit of Dallas's game plan and took out one of those guys that's been dependable and made plays for them constantly. We've seen how the Cardinals, it's taken them a couple of weeks to kind of figure out what the strengths were for Antoine Wesley. A lot of them were, hey, we can make up for some of our passing game in the red zone or we're not having to you know, continually run the ball because like we talked about, with not having James Conner in there and with some of these penalties we saw with Josh Jones, the Cardinals needed to at some point rely on the passing attack in the red zone. You can't just keep running the ball into a loaded box and expect to be able to score. You have to at some point be able to open up options. And we saw how they were able to do that with Kyler under center and being able to take use of Antoine Wesley's height. Those were the type of coaching adjustments that are great because they're not necessarily even schematic. They're about 
putting players in the best chance to succeed. And so it's about taking the talent that you have rather than just trying to out trick or scheme someone open, just letting them be able to make a play. And in some cases, guys stepping up to make those plays. And it was a hard fought win for the Cardinals. It kept Kyler at nine and oh now going back into high school for the times he's played in that stadium. And the Cardinals may be back there in a few weeks right now. The playoff picture, it's been kind of talked to death this week. They've got a great shot of being able to play back as the number five seed. And I'll talk about that situation, why I think that would be preferable, um, as well as the previous upcoming Seahawks game. That'll be next year on the ROTB pod. And we're back on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the playoff picture before getting to the Seattle preview. So the Rams... Rams won on a last minute, came down with about 57 seconds left, touchdown. Ravens backup Tyler Huntley played well. Matthew Stafford had another pick six. Turns out it didn't really matter. Odell Beckham Jr. comes up big, and you have a last-minute sack by Von Miller. Their additions come up in the clutch. Now, a lot of people are looking down on the Ravens, and I think it is kind of fair to say, like, if you're going to see that type of Matthew Stafford who plays, who turns the ball over more often, that is going to be an issue for Arizona. We saw when the Cardinals were able to force a Stafford interception in the Rams game early, the Rams just were not able to counterpunch. Well, the reason why the Rams won that game in the end is because it was a backup quarterback and a fully depleted Ravens team that seems to just be cursed to get close enough but not, <laughs> not blessed enough to win games this season. They're basically out of the playoffs as of now, and it's tough to watch because this is a team that really had a lot going for them, um, it seemed, going into this season, and it all just fell apart just due to nothing but injuries. They've had to start a third-string quarterback last week. You have another similar situation with the Antonio Brown scenario. You can talk about Bruce Arians, and there's a spot with in Arizona. You can look at all that Bruce brought. You can look at Antonio Brown, all that he doesn't bring to the table uh you can say that he still brings it on the field at least but with Bruce you always kind of felt like that when he left the team in 2017 he kind of had you know broken a lot of things along the way he had kind of broken down the health of guys like John Brown Tyron Matthew they broken some of the confidence that a DJ Humphreys had had and when the Cardinals were left it was you either keep running with the same guys that Bruce brought in and he'll get around the organization despite being retired, or or you kind of try to move on. But when the Cardinals moved on, they were so bare bones in the talent department. And that's not just a Steve Kime thing. That's also a Bruce wanting to win in his last season, which was, of course, you know, not any other player's last season. It was his kind of last season, his little last ride. It was Carson Palmer's last ride. It kind of put more of that Bruce Arians experience first and as nice as it was, I think it'd be remembered a lot more fondly if Bruce hadn't simply decided then to come back as soon as there was the first opportunity to, and he missed coaching, got paid handsomely to return to the Bucks, and then was able to go and get a veteran quarterback. Obviously, not every time you can sign Tom Brady in free agency. It's, a, it's kind of a one-in-a-lifetime type of deal. But Bruce is always that guy where if you were hurt and injured, you got into his doghouse. As far as the Antonio Brown situation, people say, I hope he gets help. I just hope that he grows up a bit and is able to admit that he needs to get help. That doesn't seem to be the case at this point, sadly, in his life. Unfortunately for that entire scenario, it has set up the box in a spot where they also won. So 
the Cardinals and their playoff picture looks somewhat like this. Cardinals are pretty much, unless you end up seeing a little twist take place, they're pretty much locked into most likely playing the Cowboys as the five seed. And that's not a bad place to be. Now, uh, granted, there's a couple of different outcomes you can get. That's the main one that happens because in order for that outcome to occur, where the Cardinals basically will open up at Dallas, pretty much any combination where the Rams win or any kind of combination where even if the Niners win, if the Cardinals lose, well, guess what? You're going to be playing at Dallas. Now, that is because the Cardinals, at least unfortunately, were losing that game to the Lions. Stands out. You'd otherwise be tied, have the best divisional record. But you really are going to need some help to get there. Now, fortunately for the Cardinals, there is a scenario where if they're able to win on Sunday and the Niners are able to try to get into the playoffs, they knock off the Rams, you could be talking about your NFC West division-winning Arizona Cardinals. The team would be breaking out the hats and the champagne after coming off of the field in Seattle. That is still possible. Is that what fans really want, though? And that's the thing. I think a lot of fans, at least for the most part, would love to have a home playoff game as kind of a reward for putting up with those three games and losing the home games on the season. It would be something that you expect for a team that's played as well as Arizona has. You usually say you don't want to go on the road, especially because, you know, sometimes you go on the road, you shock a team. When it's the playoffs, it's really hard to shock a team. That's the thing that comes up with the playoffs. Now, Another situation, at least, that could change some of that would be, let's say that San Francisco beats the Rams. Say that the Cardinals, at least for that one, are able to walk away with it. And then say that the Panthers are able to beat the Bucks. We're talking about a two seed there. It's so close in the NFC that the Cardinals on that last second play to A.J. Green, where they lost a game they probably should have won, turned out to be a tremendous power swing. Because otherwise you might be talking about if the Bucs win and then the Packers would have to be essentially winning out. They're not comfortably locking up the one seed. Then you got something that Tampa Bay has to play for. Cardinals may be looking at the three seed, at least for the most part, or maybe even the two seed. They are already the division winners. Instead, things shook out very, very differently. Now, what we've got at least locked up that's very interesting for the most part is You've got a lot of potential, at least, if the Niners are able to win. They will be instilled as the sixth seed. Now, if Arizona is able to claim the division, well, guess what? They're, they're the three seed. They just beat Dallas. Don't matter what Dallas do. Arizona will be hosting a home playoff game. And it probably would be, at least, against the Rams. because, Or I should say, sorry, against the Niners. Because you would need to have Rams lose need to have the Niners win and the Cardinals, of course, having to win. That's what you're going to need for that scenario. Now, there is also, you know, that we talk about Cardinals being the two seed. They end up in that weird spotter scenario. They probably would be playing Philly. You end up going and don't have to play Green Bay, at least for the most part, until later. But here's where I'm going to go ahead and settle on. I think what Cardinals fans should be is content and happy with where the team is because, as we've seen, this team is a team that seems to just like the doubters, like the haters, seems to have more cohesion where they're all getting on a plane together, staying in the same hotel, and goes on the road 
They seem to have a different form of confidence and swagger to them. Maybe it's just that Kyler Murray's, for whatever reason, protected the football better on the road. But if you're talking about what would be more optimal for me, I think I would be a fan of going on the road, playing Dallas. You're almost in that type of a home game. Sure, they're going to be able to bring it, but you've at least played them before, know some of the strengths, know some of the weaknesses, and you're going to be healthier. That's one of the things I think that people who say you don't want to play Dallas again, it's hard to beat a team two times in a row. I think you're forgetting. Cardinals are going to be healthier for that game. Now, assuming, and we're going to assume that they don't see any big lasting injuries that happen in week 17. You're going to have James Conner that will be back for a big run between the tackles. You're going to probably be seeing Marco Wilson back. I, I don't think that Robert Alford will be back by that point. But you'll at least be able to see some of the different players like that. If Cardinals at least do well enough against Seattle, you may be able to sit a few guys, let Colt McCoy take over. You've got the opportunity at least to be able to have J.J. Watt and Jordan Phillips back, and I do think J.J. will be back for that Dallas game. I don't see him, given the time frame, all the other areas, the work that he's gone through. Maybe it's just a 25% snap count, but I think that he'll be on the field for that against Dallas, and that would be, I think, terrifying to a Cowboys team that suddenly has to deal with a more athletic corner than they've had to deal with before. In Marco Wilson, they're going to have to deal with a pass rush that it's going to be better, that gets back Marcus Golden, gets back another guy, Devon Kennard, and is going to be able to see Chandler Jones going back up and motivated to perform in the playoffs. Because we have no idea what Chandler's future will hold, and he's probably going to be in a spot where he's going to be ready to know that when you look at people and talk about contracts and people getting paid, playoff stats are one of the biggest things that teams will look at for teams that do get into the playoffs how do you perform not just throughout the season with your stats but in the clutch when it counts and I think that's the setup that lines up best for Arizona because when you're talking about the greatness of Tom Brady the greatness of Aaron Rodgers when Brady's gotten knocked out it's usually been with a bad team that's early in the wild card round where they don't get to have a home playoff game it doesn't happen very much, or the Patriots don't get to have that bye week to get rested, to recover, to game plan for two weeks. Those usually are scenarios in which Tom Brady, he's gone in that spot 14-2 and two, and has essentially a Pro Bowl season. Yeah, I would love, 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 love to not play the Bucks in that second round. First round, if you luck into it or get that weird scenario where Tampa happens to lose to the Panthers, you... End up seeing it where the Rams still win, and suddenly you're talking about Dallas wins as well. Oh, gosh, there's there's a certain scenario, at least, where you suddenly end up talking about Tampa falling down to be the four seed. Then you're getting a Bucks team that's kind of reeling after just losing to the Panthers, losing that status. Guys are all banged up. You've got issues that you're going to have. The Cardinals becoming in healthier and stronger. That would be one of those spots where, while Tom Brady may be scared, maybe the Tom Brady in the first round versus the Tom Brady that we've seen that can be just absolutely terrifying is a bit different. Remember last year, the Washington football team was taking it and competing with, not winning, but competing with back and forth with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were the guys who gave them the hardest challenge. Now, granted, they had a huge pass rush up front. Guys had really started to come on. Taylor Heineke, no one had any film on him. He was making plays with his legs. But that was the biggest spot where they could kind of catch them off guard. 
I think that if you're talking about the Cardinals, you want to see if you can try to avoid that in the second round. And that's what getting the number five seed will do. Because you're probably going to be going on and playing the Packers. You're at Lambeau Field. You're on the road. But you know what? We just saw that same Aaron Rodgers last year go out and kind of put up a bit of a dud against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a year ago at Lambeau Field. Now, maybe weather is a factor. It wasn't certainly last year. But if you're talking about what would be the route that the Cardinals could do that could kind of pull this off, this would be the route. You don't have to worry about the Cardinals' home record of having someone come in and punch them in the mouth for winning the division. Maybe the Niners are cruising. Trey Lance starts and suddenly seems to figure it out. You end up getting one of those, you know, Colin Kaepernick gets hot. Trey Lance gets hot going into the playoffs type of scenarios that you're having to face in a home stadium in which you've struggled with and you know you've struggled with. And said so you get to say, oh, we're going back. We were just here a few weeks ago in the Jerry Dome. Carly says this is my house. Get to come in with that opportunity to put it on the line. And then going in to play a Packers team that really, they're the top seed. They've played super well. But as we saw again during that Cardinals-Packers game, there's flaws that they've had. Guys haven't been healthy throughout the entire season. They're going to be getting back a tackle. They'll be getting back a great cornerback. But they're essentially a team that wants to try to run the ball, lets Aaron manage, be able to make plays to Devontae Adams. But they're not a team that really like is a huge or high scorer that we've seen. We've seen them at times be able to turn it on. Uh, against the Vikings just a couple of weeks ago, for sure. They seem to run like clockwork, but if they come out and get punched in the face on their home turf, we've seen at least for at times the Packers have had to kind of put things together and kind of close it out in a different way this year. We've also seen when the Cardinals have played the Packers in the past, they've done an excellent job of being able to maybe not necessarily handle Aaron Rodgers, but at least be able to keep up with them and be able to take advantage of a few Packers mistakes on defense that have put them away. So this would be kind of, I think, if you're the Cardinals, your optimal path. You beat the Cowboys. You go ahead and play the Packers. See if you can do the same thing. Catch them off guard. Get, you know, maybe you end up seeing if you can force a fumble early in the game. Can score on it. Run the ball effectively. Know that Aaron's going to be working to throw. You're going to have guys that are ready. I think that the Cardinals have an excellent shot, at least, of getting that first playoff game. If you can walk away with the win, I think it's easy to say that the season's been a success. You go away and have a shot at two wins. Suddenly you're talking about this is kind of what we thought the Cardinals could be at 7-0. This is what people wanted this team to be able to be. People had hoped or dreamed that you could be going to an NFC Championship game, probably against Tampa, with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. And if you lose, then guess what? You happen to lose to the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game. And there's no shame in that. And that's what I think Cardinals fans maybe not should necessarily hope for, maybe not should expect. But as long as there's that bit of hope, as long as there's that little bit of a chance for that one that we've seen with this team, then maybe they'll have a shot to do something and shock the world yet again. Right, let's wrap up and talk about what the Seahawks game. This is going to be an interesting game. Do the Cardinals essentially go out and plan to rest guys, rest players? I don't think you can afford that. Even if you say we want to fall into the number five seed, there is kind of opportunity I think to win the division and if the Cardinals go out there and you say oh last second Niners win they're in the playoffs and the Cardinals just put Colt McCoy in the entire start of the game rested every guy you had a chance to win the division and you didn't pursue it now if Russell Wilson just goes out and beats you then that's one thing but to be able just to have the capacity to go out there and have a shot to play for it 
I think the Cardinals are going to want to go out and go out on a high note. Now, can they go out on a high note if Russell Wilson ends up being one of those players that they able to put points up? It really depends on what they do with Rashad Penny. He has been one of the best rushers in the NFL in the past few weeks. He's kind of finally gotten healthy. He's had injury after injury after struggle to get the game mentally. Pete's finally able to put Russ into more of a balanced offense. Their defense, of course, has had issues for that one, and they need to get takeaways, though, because they just don't have the dogs in coverage. They don't quite have the pass rush to be able to put together a full defensive effort. You can put points up on the Seahawks. The thing where you get into trouble is if you turn the ball over on offense, Seattle turns it over to Penny. You have Tyler Lockett being able to run free on third and 16. He's able to pick up a 20-yard play. That's when you end up seeing the Cardinals potentially getting down, and that's where things could become a bit dangerous against the Seahawks team. I think that this is a spot where if the Cardinals are able to go out there and say, hey, guys, this is our opportunity. We can run the ball well. Chase Edmonds and James Conner are probably not going to play. You can look at Eno and Jonathan Ward and say, hey, guys, this is your time. Show us that we can keep you guys next year with two other running backs and expiring contracts. I think this is a good opportunity for Arizona to be able to go out, to be able to see Seattle doesn't have as much to play for. Maybe Russ ends up putting a few bit, but there's not really anything to have as far as playing spoiler. There's not really that much to have. Otherwise, the last time the Cardinals and Seahawks played where there was a playoff um, team in the Arizona Cardinals that was on the line, the Seahawks just ran away with it. And part of that was because Arizona just looked at the score. So they weren't going to be able to pass up the Panthers. Bruce pulled guys at the start of the game. So you kind of knew if they weren't going to leave guys out there, they were pulling them that early. They probably knew they were going to get pulled earlier in that week. And that was a shame because it did prevent the Cardinals from having, you know, at 14-2, one of their best seasons ever, just because by default, they couldn't. I think this is a game the Cardinals will go out. I think it's a little closer than you like. I think that it ends up as being a 22-2, uh, let's say 22-17 victory for the Arizona Cardinals. Don't think they put up as much offense as you'd like to see. But I think they're able to still kind of get an early start to the lead. Uh, have a little bit of back and forth, some dead plays that go on. And you have maybe where the Cardinals settle for a field goal or two instead of actually going out and getting into the end zone. One of the things that James Conner being back will be able to fix. That will be what I think we'll predict for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see what happens at least for that. We'll be talking playoffs when we come back in weeks. This has been the ROTV Pod. Thanks for joining everyone. Take care and go Cardinals on Football Friday.